Welcome to Toffee Blues, your choice for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. Joining me is Terry. Yes, we are. We are a duo today. We are back. At, you know, back in the saddle. Jerry and Terry, uh, our old act, bringing the band, bringing the band together again. Uh, Terry, so the weekend saw saw Everton uh, shoot up the table a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not the worst. Uh, we were. I was watching the uh, Spurs Arsenal match with with Bennett, who is now seven, and he was asking who we're who we're actually who we wanted to win. You know, and so I said, "Well, let's look at the table. Let's figure this out. You know, which one helps Everton more? All right." And so when we looked at it, I was like, "You know what? I think them drawing is best for us." And so I had my kids sitting there pulling for a draw, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, technically, if you look at the table, we are, I believe, in sixth, but tied with Arsenal, who is in fifth, which is interesting. We're tied with them on goal, goal differential as well. So they're really just in fifth based on alphabet. Yeah. Which is, when that happens at the end of the season, what's the tiebreaker there? How does that work? Uh, my understanding is if you're on the same um points the same goal difference they look ahead to head so if for example us and arsenal finish joint fifth and they can't you know figure it out then they'd look at who won the two games and after that i'm not sure i think you know because feasibly we could have both drawn both of the games mm-hmm. uh after that i'm not sure maybe it comes down to something like goals scored or because you know the goal scored can be different if you concede more and so on but I actually don't know, but it definitely comes down to head to head once it's once it's gone past that stage. But um, yeah, it's nice to see the uh, the league table looking the way it does. It's not really a you know don't, you can't read it's a lot. so early. Yeah, you can't read a lot into it at this point, can you? you about eight, between about eight to ten games, you can start to look at it and see how the, the table starting to shape up. Um, all things notwithstanding, you know some clubs fall off a cliff, some go on a big late charge and whatnot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, now we've got two weeks of international football where all the all the uh, the various shows have got to fill airtime between international games, and every time they throw up that Premier League graphic, they're going to have to acknowledge Everton uh, in sixth. So quite going to quite. Now you know what they'll do? They'll just show the top five. That's what they've done before. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. always do that. They're like, oh, it's the top five now. Why? Well, it just is. Yeah, it's the way the graphic was drawn up. The whole point, of that, the whole reason it's even a top six now is because Arsenal and Man United went crap. Like it was top four for years. Every Everton were in fifth or sixth every year for about five or six years, and it was a top four. But then the second that City and Spurs overtake Arsenal and Man United, oh, it's top six now. It's top mm. six. And I, 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 if we ever, you know, when we do break into that uh, that club, if when whenever, it it won't be a top six anymore. It'll be a top seven. Whoever we displace. Unless it's Tottenham, they're not really hot on Tottenham like they are the others. But if we displace any of the others out of the top six, then it'll be a top seven. They will not. Will. They will. It'll be a top seventeen if Man United or someone finishes there. It's just that you know they've got to chase those clicks, all the articles, all the shows. They've got to, got to appeal to the global fan bases, haven't they? So that's what we just got to do. 
We gotta uh, gotta work on the fan base, man. We gotta we gotta delve in. I think I think a good spot is to delve into uh, into the American supporters. I think it's time. Mm-hmm. I think we need to we need to start reaching out more to the American supporters. Try to try to grab some of uh, <laughs> try to try to grab their allegiance, you know, and try to grab the ones that are not glory hunters, mm-hmm. you know, because that's that's the type of what's really interesting is I took a I take quizzes sometimes. Uh, because I'm just I'm, I get addicted to those sometimes where I'm like, what what blank are you? You know what I mean? So I took a what Bundesliga club are you? Because I was curious, you know. And it turns out I'm I'm Bayer Leverkusen, all right. And one of the things it said, and I didn't mention anything about my other teams that I support, not a word about it. But I was talking about, and it said. You, you haven't won a championship, blah, 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 but you always finish pretty well. And I'm just like, damn, do they know that I always tend to pull for clubs who are not the easy win? You know what I mean? Like, I'm a Panthers fan, too, Carolina Panthers. We've never won a Super Bowl, you know? We weren't, we never, we were rarely supposed to win, you know? But it's just kind of, I don't know, it's like, it's like the, 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 the underdog part of me, the guy who just, I prefer to pull, I don't like to go for the easy option, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I guess I don't need that in my life. Well, I I'm actually the opposite. I said um, to a friend mm. of mine, you know, you've, you see, have you ever heard the thing about Barry and Bolton? Yeah. Obviously, you know, it's Barry. You know, had, had some troubles um, and haven't been able to get out of them so far. And uh, Bolton just managed to. I was talking to a friend of mine saying, "What would you uh, What would you do if that ever happened to Everton? Like, what would you, you know, other than you know, support the the new Everton, AFC Everton, or whatever was set up by the sports. So obviously, you're going to do that, but you're not going to see them on like TV a lot and all that. And then, you know, top-level sports, you're obviously still going to pay attention to football. I said, would you do anything differently, or would you commit to just that non-league, you know, outfit and watch them come back up? And he was saying, oh, what he'd do is he'd pick like a, a German or an Italian club um, of similar ilk to like an Everton, you know, and that kind of thing. And I was, and I just like, nah, man. If if Everton, if I, if Everton went away one day and I had to follow football, I couldn't support another team. Far from it. But if I'm gonna go and follow or keep up with another team, I'm gonna just royally, you know, be be horrible. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and support the Yankees, the Patriots, Man City, <laughs> everyone, Barcelona, everyone who buy Munich, Juventus, any team that wins all the time. I'm gonna go and support them. I'm gonna go and follow them and just support. You know, whatever the the new Everton turns into me because I, I have I'm not doing this again for someone else. I, you know, Everton's like a, a marriage of alter for me for me wife. I'm not going out and getting new girlfriends who are just like my ex wife. I just can't do it. Oh my god, that is that is so great. See, that's a solid argument. I can't help it. I can't help it. It's just something I'm drawn. I literally can't help it. I forgot you're a Patriots fan. And when you were saying, nah, I wouldn't do that, I was like, oh, that's right. He's a Pats fan. Oh, my God. I forgot. The perfect veneer of Terry is cracked. (laughs) He's like so logical. But you have even logical reasons for that nonsense, too. Jesus. Oh yeah. man, yeah. See, I see what you're saying. See, the, see, we watch a lot of Bundesliga, but we haven't like picked a team. You know what I mean? We just haven't picked a club. We just have teams we like to watch. We have players we like to watch, and that's kind of, you know, the way we do it. We don't really. There is no other team like at that level that we support the way we do with Everton. It's just the way it is, you know. So I'm kind of cool with that at the moment. 
But who knows if you ever end up if we ever end up living somewhere else or something, uh, you, who knows we may end up being able to support a local of some sort, which would be cool. Mm-hmm. The, the closest local we have is Wake Forest University soccer team. So yeah, I know I said soccer, but only because it is a soccer team here. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> and they yeah, and we just went and saw them play last night, and Bennett was a ball boy for them on Friday night, first time ever. So that was crazy. That was yeah, it's kind of awesome. Uh, he's growing up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, very, uh, very interesting. Uh, I, I love, I, I always wanted to do an experiment about being a supporter or a fan uh, to see what and do like a psychological profile on people and what teams they support and why. Because I think it's fascinating. It's like, what superheroes do they like? And they like the superheroes for similar reasons that they like. Yeah, I think it's interesting, but I'm a weirdo, so yeah. All right, so we should move on to actual Everton things, which is good because we have lots of actual Everton things to cover, and it's good news. We don't hate ourselves this week. Wow, you know, our, our piss was not the, the the bunch that was boiled. That's right. I I just I talk I say that so naturally, don't I? It just it just rolls off the tongue. No, it doesn't. It's yeah. All right. So anyway, for for podcast people out there who are listening, not watching, uh, we're gonna start off with extra time talking about wolves. Do a little match analysis of uh, Everton's crushing defeat of Wolves, where they absolutely just ground them into the ground. With a very sound, oh god, three-two victory. <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty exciting little match, though. Uh, entertaining. Um, then we're gonna do a middle bit about uh, about supporters, and this was influenced by uh, Wolves supporters uh, on Sunday. And I'm not gonna spoil that one. So yeah, there'll be a little middle bit there. Terry and I are gonna talk about supporters, and then we're gonna talk about. Uh, someone who played rather well on Sunday and who looks to be pretty valuable for us this season, Fabian Delph. All right, there we go. And then we're going to finish up with a with another lightning round with Terry. Well, it's just me and Terry, and typically when we only have two, we do a lightning round, and I realized Terry just did a lightning round. All new questions, folks. I even, I even went to a website to find good personality-driven lightning round questions. So, this should be fun. All right. We move on. Extra time. Wolves. Everton uh, get the win. 3-2 at Goodison. Uh, clearly the sirens just just threw Wolves big time because um, they gave us a gift early on. And it was wonderful. The ball bounces to Richarlison, and he places it, gets that bizarre bounce, you know, and, and it ends up going in. Typically gifts like that, we put it right at a player, right? Isn't that what we normally do? didn't happen this time um but i gotta tell you their uh their goals were not were not good moments for us you know they weren't spectacular moments from wolves it was big part of it was just us looking uh sort of keystone cops ish not clearing the ball out on a corner on one of them um yeah and and luca dean not looking himself getting beat to the line by uh adama Traore. Um, who, for the first time ever, actually had an end product. You know, put the ball across. And, uh, yeah, anyway. But Richarlison ended up with two. Alex Iwobi ended up with one. Uh, 
our, our starters, our new, our new starting lineup. I think it, it looked like it looked like it was on fire. It was nice. Uh, Terry, can you give us some opening thoughts, telling me how you're how you're feeling about about this one, and then we'll go a little more specific. I mean, yeah, it was what we wanted, wasn't it? It was changed. You know, the first few games have been a bit drab, a little bit, uh, you know, laboured. You know, players, some of them didn't look fit. But this one uh, was a proper game, wasn't it? You know, we had, we had goals. We had, you know, fighting the referee. We had, you know, the crowds up. You know, we had all the, all the things that we, we like about, a you know, a, a winner Goodison. They were all in this match. Uh, so I, I came away, you know, pleased. Um Credit to Wolves, though. I mean, this is exactly what we thought was going to happen. They had to rotate their players because they were in the Europa League. We were all saying, "Oh, how will they cope with that?" And you know, it wasn't. You know, they had to bring in a couple of players. A lot of changes and for them. A lot of changes. That, yeah, exactly. And and they still made a go of it. They were still, you know, like a tough, tough team to play against with not their usual team. So you know, credit to them. They were a tough test, but um, you know, I think on the stretch of the game. You know, correct results. You know, they they did all they did. They were in it throughout, but they were not. You know, they were not the best team. Like we were, we did deserve to win, but you know, there was by no means a comfortable victory. And I think you've been. A, I thought you were. I'm gonna take exceptions. You were a little bit generous to Richarlison there, saying he placed it in. I feel like he just smashed it. <laughs> he smashed it, but it hit the floor, and the pace of the ball with the bounce took the two players on the line out of it. It was really fortunate. I, I, I've been he, curious about players with score like that because you actually see players do that, and I've been wondering this whole time: Did he smash the ball against the ground on purpose, or was that purely just straight up luck? I'd like to think he did it on purpose, <laughs> but I, I, I think it was such a you know an unexpected you know chance, considering that you know Wolves were in possession and surrendered it quite cheaply. That he's just you know hit the ball with pace, you know. Uh, at the last second and you know he's got the rubber the green and it's it's bounced over the two players I think if he places that you know it, it doesn't go in because if he places it they get to it but the sheer pace of the ball takes it in so you know a little bit of luck but you know whatever <laughs> I'm saying straight up skill from Charleston. just saying <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get my guys back I'm not gonna undercut his talent Terry that's that's <laughs> not what I'm here to do uh <laughs> Good pressing, good pressing from Moise Keane as well with his, uh, with his assist you know if you're not there you don't get it if he's mm-hmm. if he's not pressing then he's nowhere near the ball when they make that mistake and fair play to him I'm still I'm still a little iffy on his pressing though overall it still seems like he's not mm-hmm. quite match fit to be able to press like that often um, and I mean obviously we have triggers you know we have pressing triggers the ball yep. goes certain places we press then he still looks like he's jogging when he perhaps should be pressing a little harder. Um, but that's what I wanted to talk about first. Uh, Iwobi and Keane uh, and Richarlison with uh, Sigurdsson in there as well. That that group of four kind of spearheading the attack, not really considering the fact that we've got really good work up the flanks on the left and the right. Um, and uh, Delphin Gomez, we'll get into them later. Uh, but uh, I, I Iwobi for me has been a very positive injection. Keane seemed like he was occupying defenders. 
allowing you know freeing up some more room for some other players. It will be just the fact his the fact that he has gets such penetration, and it's not just with his with his skill on the ball. It's the passing. So for me, I'm just you know I got to give massive credit to that kid. He looks good. He looks like a huge addition to our squad. Um, what were you thinking about about that uh, about that particular attack? And do you feel like that is our strongest attack? Um, I think it's a little early to go that far. I think you know Bernard has built up a lot of a lot of credits. Over I was going to get to him season. in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, on paper, you could say it is. I mean, when I saw that team come out uh, before the game, I was like, "Oh, this won't end well." It's our quote-unquote strongest team on paper on TV. So that usually, you know, precedes a defeat. Every time you guys come up with those, like, well, it's this scenario and this scenario. Well, you know what that means. And you always find out, you you, you all find a way to make a, you know what that means, you know. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, man. Honestly, it, you know, a lifetime of experience <laughs> to back it up. The, um, yeah, I, I like the look of that um that sort of forward unit. I still, I, he had a much improved game, Sigurdsson, but I still don't think he's as safe as people think because he looked, he did look a lot better, but he was getting a lot more room because of their system. He was finding, you know, um, finding a lot of space behind their wing backs because their wing backs were pushing up so high and their back three obviously weren't having a good game either. So he was popping up either side, launching balls in. Sigurdsson's a quality player. He hasn't been playing well. I'm, I'm, you know, I hate saying things like that, but I'm like pro Sigurdsson. I'm, 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 you know, I'm not one of these people who thinks, oh no, he's useless. Get him off the team. No, you know, more good players the better. But I think you know you don't. Wobie's been bought for a decent amount of money. Moise Keane's you know a really promising player. Richarlison is both of those things. He's a really promising player, and he's been bought for a lot of money. I think those three are going to play more most games I think when they come out it'll be for tactical situations for fitness for rotation I think Calvert-Lewin you know we'll still see a lot of him for certain games and you know Keane you know won't be able to play 90 minutes of every game but Iwobi doesn't need anything like that I think Iwobi's probably going to come into the team to stay and it's just whether he replaces Sigurdsson or he replaces Bernard or even some games he might even replace Richarlison but Based on that game, I really liked that unit we had because it, it had a really good mix. You know, the, you know, direct. It's, you know, there was, there was directness, there was pace, there was, um, you know, there was set piece ability. There was, I think, um, Alex Awobi was like the biggest chance creator for Arsenal last year. So his movements and his style of play is similar in a way to Bernard's, where he creates opportunities for other players, but he obviously offers a little bit more physicality and a little bit more directness and you know, gets in amongst the goals more than I know Bernard scored last home game, but last season he didn't really contribute as much. I think if it's a straight-up battle between two those two, I think it will be will edge it because he scores more goals. It's very early, you know, in very early days, you know, you I don't want to go too large on it will be, but he will score more goals than Bernard. Even if he doesn't score tons of goals, because he didn't at Arsenal, I'm sure he'll get more than Bernard, because Bernard seems to be the the assist before the assister, you know, that kind of thing, like integral to the team that he's in, but doesn't always get the plaudits, doesn't always get his name on the sheet, just because of the type of player he is. But I'm, I'm all for having too many good players. That, that, that substitution that we brought on of Bernard and, and Calvert-Lewin, I think that could be... 
a substitution we see quite a lot going forward. Like last season when we kept bringing on Luckman and Tosin right. together, I think we could end up seeing that as like a regular, the first substitutes, like the, the 70th minute substitutes when we're chasing the game kind of thing or trying to break a team down. I think we could see that going forward. Yeah. Uh, I was concerned about that lineup at first only because of Delph and Gomez starting in the middle together. Give me a second, I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I I promise I have a point, because those technically are two of our strongest center mids, you know what I mean? So I will I will explain that. But uh, I, I, Bernard looked really good when he came in. I thought that, that, that double substitution gave us a, a kick up the backside and gave us new life because the game had started to get a little flat. Um, and those guys coming in, it it was solid. It was really solid. It was a good moment. And because I was looking at our at our bench for subs, and I was thinking, it doesn't feel like the same lift that it will be coming off the bench or Moise King coming off the bench. Those players, it didn't feel like it was going to be an injection of energy, but it was. And I was I was I was very relieved. And uh, I'm not going to worry about those guys anymore. Then. <laughs> But, you know, it's it's good to be able to look at your, your subs bench and think, okay, if they come on in the 65th minute, it's going to give us new life if we need something. You know? Because I felt like when they came in at first, I was a little disappointed. Like, oh, hell, it will be and Keen are going out. You know what I mean? It's a sinking feeling when you feel like two legitimate goal scorers are going out. And you need a goal. That's a, you know, uh, but they they just proved that feeling in my gut wrong, which is awesome. I'm always down for that. Um, so yeah, uh, agreed with you. It was it was nice. It was nice to see uh, see those guys. I, I do see that uh, that particular pairing coming on late in games this season it could do us do us some serious good. Do some damage. Uh, Delphin Gomez. Um, by the way, I want to really quickly give respect to Thomas. We did our match preview, and Thomas got every starter right except for one. I think we both thought Schneiderlin was starting. We both thought Schneiderlin would start because he sits a little deeper and neither neither Delph nor Gomez are really known for sitting too deep, you know, uh, but they performed well together. Now, I'll be really curious moving forward if we play another really attacking-minded squad, one that, you know, hasn't lost much, if we're going to deploy somebody more defensive or if we're just going to go through the throat for the throat every time with that pairing. Really interesting to see. What do you think about that, Terry? Because I feel like we're going to talk about Delph a little bit more later in a different segment, but just kind of give me some early thoughts on that. I think given the the J.P. Kabaman injury, I think what we're going to do is rather than step straight into what you know whatever Silva was planning going forward for this season, I think we're going to sort of stick to what we know and go for a copy of last season's system, but just tip, you know, Delph in for uh, Idris again. Now, they're not the same type of player, but Delph's versatile. Delph can play that position for us for a while. You know, he, he's not going to be as good as Idris again, but he's probably going to be the closest thing we've got that can that can do that. Like, Schneiderlin's like an, an orthodox number six, but Schneiderlin last season, when we had a run of having... Um, Gomez and Idrissa Gay as centre midfielders. When we wanted to see a game out or defend more, you'd see you'd see Sigurdsson come off or you know one of the um, one of the attacking players and and uh, Schneiderlin would come in and sit as a number six with the other right. two ahead of him. And I think 
just like we'd have Bernard and um, Calvert-Lewin as a regular attacking sub, I think Schneiderlin now is probably going to take his place on the bench and he's going to turn into that sub again where if we need to get a little bit more control of the game, he'll come on. I think fitness permitting, we're going to see this midfield set up from now on because Delph has got that in his locker. He's got the energy, he's got the experience, he's got the the sort of football intelligence to play that sort of all-action combative role. He's not as good a tackler as Adrissa Gay. And, you know, there are going to be times where we're going to be a little bit exposed in centre mid because they're not, they're not as solid as uh, as having a Schneiderlin in there or a JP Cabana or a proper number six. But I think that makeup of the midfield as a, as a whole, as a five, is very familiar to the to the whole team. And, you know, it's it's not something they're going to struggle with. And I think it will be a sort of holding pattern for when, until JP Cabana comes back in. And when he, when he is fully fit... That's when I think you'll see Delph move into a different position, and we'll see a different makeup in midfield. But right now, if they don't if they don't get injured, I can see those two starting in midfield. I think they did a great job, um, complemented each other well. Obviously, still need to get a bit of understanding there, but I can I can see that working for the facility. Yeah, uh, I, I could see us doing that against ma- the majority of squads in the Premier League, uh, but I I guess it's a when you're playing against even more potent offenses, a more potent attack, I'll be really curious if we're going to if we're going to rise to meet him or if we're going to play cautious. You know, um, having those two there, I don't know because Delft doesn't have the speed that speed and quickness of Idrissa Gay. He just doesn't. He doesn't. He's actually he's even older than Idrissa Gay, uh, not by much, but by a little. Um, but he's a better passer, and I think he's much. I think he's got a better football acumen in terms of just his his IQ. He's he's a very clever player. Uh, I think the past two matches, watching him play, uh, especially Sunday, I, I thought he looked very good, very intelligent, just very smart on the ball. He's not giving the ball away cheaply for silly reasons. You know, he takes care of it back there, and he did get deep sometimes. He did. Uh, there was a period, a long period in the second half where he sort of disappeared and Andre Gomez took over. It was almost like he just passed the baton. It's like, here, man, you go for a little while. And it, <laughs> but, um, but later on, you saw him kick in again. Uh, he's an interesting player. I really, yeah, I think a lot of people would say he was, our, he was our man of the match. I don't think everybody would, but I think a lot of people would. Um, hard not to give it to Richarlison, though, for getting two goals. Um, but yeah. Luca Dean didn't have his best day. Still got an assist, though. <laughs> a bad day for Luca Dean, and he's still producing, which is interesting. You know? Yeah, I mean, they they clearly set up to target Luca Dean, not as a, like a weak defender. But I think they, you know, the fact that they had Adama Traore as a right wing back. The second I saw that lineup for Wolves, I was like, they want Adama Traore to run in behind. Right. Luca Dean because he's going to go forward so much he's going to try and pin him back Adama Traore had a really good game against Man United where he gave um, Luke Shaw a run around it seems to be a it seems to be a tactic they've got now where how to get the best out of Adama Traore of just to physically bully his opposite number and and frankly I don't care you could be Maldini you're not you know if Adama Traore has a foot race with you with you 
that's it. You're not gonna. He's an absolute tank. He's like when the juggernaut gets going. You, you Luca Dean, ha, you know, got caught out. He, he really fast, really strong runner of a winger went against him and got away from him, and it ends up with a a goal in the Everton net. But you know, it's just something, something to learn. It's just you know, learning Kirby still managed to get involved in the goal. He, you know, he's he's <laughs> what's that one bad game of the of the forty five he's played? You know that kind of thing. But. It was it was clever by Wolves, you know. Like you know, the, the drama Traore is not a top player. He's not a you know particularly, you know, skillful player. But he is physically you he's know big. a handful. He's really big ex- to kind of. I mean, he, ex- if he gets yeah. you, his shoulder. If you're behind that, yeah. Good luck recovering. You know what I mean? If he gets that yeah. half step on you, that's why uh, Luca Dean just started grabbing him, and I was like, yeah, do it, grab it. <laughs> Every time he just started almost bear hugging him, and you know what? It cut down on his effective yeah. nature, frankly. So he didn't do as much second half. Yeah, because Luca Dean started getting more physical. He's he's bigger than JP Kabamon and faster than Theo Walcott. I just what, what, you know, you thank God he can't. He hasn't got much yeah. end product because he'd be you know he'd be at Barcelona <laughs> if he could if he could do anything with the ball. He'd be the world's best player because no one can live with him physically. But um. You know, it, it didn't cost us in the end. And as I say, Luca Dean didn't, you know, let it, let it affect him. It, he didn't shrink. Obviously, he wasn't very good on the second goal either. But, you know, he, he got the assist. He got a, a really good cross in for the third goal. Luca Dean doesn't hide. He, you know, he, you know, some of the players, if they're having a really bad game, you know, might go within themselves or need taken off. He was like, no, I'm, I'm, I still want the ball. I still want to, you know, still want to have an impact on the game. So Definitely. credit to him. All right. Anything else on this one? Anything else that we've neglected to highlight here? No. I mean, my man of the match probably should have been the guy who does the siren. He's the man of the match every year, every home game. Did you notice as well in the Lincoln game that they had someone playing a siren? Mm-mm. The Lincoln fans. Like, it, it's someone in their crowd was playing like, an, um, like a handheld, like sort of weird siren-type noise. It was like, I don't know whether it was like an, a blowhorn or something, but it sounded like a different tone siren. I was like, that's we're the one team you don't want to be playing a siren against, mate. Like, you know, still, unde- still undefeated yeah. under the siren. Even now we're taking it away from home, apparently, if it was our fans, but if it was theirs, it was the wrong move. It was like giving, like, you know, giving Popeye spinach. <laughs> I, I, I did have a moment second half when, when they scored where I looked over at Bennett and I was like, man, this is this is one of those we need to win. We need we need to win this one. I said I realize it's early in the season. I don't care. This is the kind of thing that can set the tone for the whole rest of your season. Are you the club? Are you the team that people score late on and end up stealing a couple points from you? Or are you the one that does it the other way around? You know? And frankly, I've I've gotten sick of being on the other end of that. And I I, I love the fact that Silva and these players are, are are taking that feeling away from me, which is fantastic. You know, that's, uh, yeah. Because you get to the point where you start expecting doom. And I love being able to be, go back to my normal idealistic self. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's, uh, I reckon that's been our, our Wolves extra time. Uh, yeah, three points gained. Yeah, sitting in a tied for fifth is what I'll say. And we still going to go up. 
All right, and we're back. This is the middle bit. Uh, so I'm going to try not to dwell on the negativity of this for too long, but I need to mention it just because uh, I saw an article in the Echo uh, about it, and I, I heard some other people, I saw, read some other people talking about it on Twitter, where the, the Wolf supporters with uh, basically had reduced their banter to uh, Liverpool chants and uh, attacking uh, basically the city of Liverpool uh, with their with their sign-on references and whatnot. Uh, so, did you hear about that, Terry? Because this is something that, to be honest with you, I don't actually see a lot of that in American sports. You know what I mean? So, to I actually like attack and basically talk about how I don't know. It it just it's a little bit nauseating. So, did you hear about any of that? Yeah, I mean, it happens. It happens all the time. Like, it's certain sets. Sets, excuse me. Easy for me to say. It's certain groups of uh, supporters of, of other clubs. It's it, some clubs aren't really bad for it, but some are. Um, it's. I'm all for you know fans going back and forth, but the sign-on stuff. It's just. It's not only is it like horrendously out of date now, and you know you. you know, right. Some people could turn around and say. And then have turned around and said, well, the unemployment rate is higher in Wolverhampton than it is in Liverpool, blah, 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 blah. For me, that doesn't matter. You shouldn't sing about that anyway. Yeah, I've never really had an opinion about Wolves supporters just because I haven't had much experience with them, i got to be honest, you know? Because, um, I mean, they haven't really uh, – they haven't been in the Premier League yeah, you wouldn't you know, have, for a while. They haven't been in the league. They've been in the lower leagues for so long that you know you wouldn't have run into them. They forget that that yeah. they've only been around for two minutes. Yeah, and I anticipate them getting some support in America. I I, I do see that happening. You know, think about it. They're branding. They're called Wolves. You know, kids are gonna love that. Uh, they have, they win. They win often, or they did last season. <laughs> you know, they had a decent season last year, and they have crazy. Like a lot of like pyrotechnics and whatnot at their, yeah, you know, and they went so. on. TV. They went on TV because they all they they more often than not beat the bigger teams. So you're gonna mm-hmm. see, you know, they'll lose to Burnley, but no one's gonna see that on on like American TV. Not not really, but they'll beat Man United and they'll beat you know Tottenham and so on. So they probably will be popular, but yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of of that carry on from supporters. I've got to be honest. They've left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Um, because there's some supporters who do it quite regularly, and you know you've come to expect it. But Wolves, I was I was quite surprised. Yeah, I guess it's one thing if there are uh, there's a bad apple here and there doing something stupid, one or two people, you know, one or two people. That's that's an exception. You know what I mean? That's not the that's not the rule. That's the exception. One or two dumbasses. I get it. You know what yeah. I mean? There's dumbasses everywhere. Every single club has them. But if it's your whole group chanting it you know what i mean if it's a large group that's not an exception that is the rule and it's easy to make generalizations generalizations based on that kind of stuff isn't it yeah you know um so this brings around to more of the point of what i I was trying to get to uh i should have known better than to have this conversation with terry by the way and hope it would be short because (laughs) terry has a lot of very definitive opinions about this. And he's he's actually teaching me a bunch here, to be honest with you. Uh, but 
which supporters are actually out there that, that come to Goodison that are all right? You know, where people say, hey, they're dead sound. They're all right. Any of them? It depends, really. I mean, it depends on your preference. Like some supporters, you know, you can you can not like them on a football level, but, you know, on a, on a personal level, you know, like politics-wise and all that, and I, I don't really want to get into that. But right. some of the, like Sunderland fans... Um, in general, are quite good. So I like I quite like Sunderland fans, um, Man City fans. I think I quite like Spurs fans. Spurs fans seem pretty, uh, pretty down to earth, pretty, pretty nailed. Got their heads screwed on. Anyone else? So City, Spurs, Sunderland, <laughs> and let me think. Man United fans, not really. I would just just to clarify because whilst they are from the same city as. Um, Man City, they're not really like their their fans come from everywhere, so they get you know just as many you know things as the Wolf fan, the Wolves fans and what have you. Um, you know what? I think I think that maybe yeah. If any comes through my hands, I'll let you know. But <laughs> it's it's I, I I hate to go down this street, but it's with obviously with the world as it is at the minute, the politics is becoming far more bitter, more hostile. You know, people are getting more and more entrenched and, and football is an expression of that as well. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't like football, politics in football whatsoever. I want them to occupy two very different spaces, but not everyone's like that. So, right. you know, there's some fans who are very much, you know, a large majority are rooted in one, you know, ideology like you can get, you can get like right wing clubs and you can get left wing clubs. It's far more prominent in Europe where it's semi official. Some of the clubs like where you know like a Roma and Lazio, uh, Roma left wing, Lazio right wing kind of thing. But right. it's sort of like that in England, but far more you know far softer where it's not official. It just seems to be a common common thing. So I think because Liverpool in general is as a city is quite left-wing. More right-wing area clubs tend to sing songs like that. Mm. So it that creeps into it, but it's hard to nail down, you know, like particular clubs for particular things because London, for example, is so big that you get some clubs in London who are really, really cool about stuff like that. And you get some who are, you know, from more or less the same city, but the opposite. Mm. So it's 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 ugliness. It, it shouldn't be part of football, if you ask me, because... It's a sport. We all enjoy it. We're all there to have a good time. Let's let's not talk about you know, you know politics. You know, you know things like that. It's just it's too far for me. Yeah. It get gets get. It boils my piss. There it is, piss boiling by Terry. His you know you can tell in his voice. <laughs> the piss is boiled. Uh... You love that. That has struck a chord with you. <laughs> Look, it's like a shiny new toy, my friend. It's <laughs> uh, no, I I always feel, figure when people resort to that kind of stuff, they're just shit at banter. <laughs> they're just it's like it's like oh, so let's not talk football. Let's just talk about their socioeconomic standing, and you know what I mean. Let's let's go to that instead instead of actually talking about you know the stuff which normal banter would would you know encapsulate. So, yeah, they're like, we're just bad at that. It's like if you're if you're in an argument with someone and you're having a genuine argument with them and they just look at you and go, oh, yeah, 
well, you're ugly. <laughs> you're like, yeah, well, there you go. That's all right. <laughs> like, and you, and now I think I won. I won the argument because you, you went personal. All right. That's, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's good to know. It is something that you just, I really, you genuinely do not see that happening with American sports at all. You don't, which is interesting. The closest thing you get in America to that is boo. And there you go. Booing. <laughs> I think I think overall, I think it's because the clubs traditionally, the football clubs around England, uh, they started out as like community vehicles. So they were very much represented of, you know, the working class of whichever area they're from. Obviously, now they're big major. <coughs> Woof, sorry, man. Obviously, now they're like big major sports franchises, so it's sort of you know to the outsider looking in, you'd go, "Why is there so much you know vitriol attached to that?" It's like, yeah, it's because that's not the originally they were like you know huge big lightning rods for the people of the area. So the, mm. you know the politics and stuff, and and you know the socio-economic you know status of the of each area came into it. So Liverpool and Everton have got this hangover of from the 80s of sign on sign on because of high in unemployment rates in the 80s it's badly out of date now it's well over 30 years old it's not true anymore but because it's um it was so prevalent and it, you know a lot of uh, supporters got used to you know looking at thinking that and singing that it's you know it's it's stuck but it's even though it's not true and it's more true of the team that's singing it it's still not you know it's not my cup of tea at all right yeah. Uh, some people just like to say that kind of stuff because they know it makes you angry. And and there's like, you can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? They really troll. Trolls. That's the word for these folks. They are trolls. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I think that's good. I think that's the, I think that's the end of the middle bit. Let's yeah. go talk about Delft now. All right, we need to talk about uh, one of the stronger parts of uh, of Everton's lineup on Sunday. Uh, Fabian Delf. It's interesting. I I, I want to say Fabian Delf because I feel like uh, I, who have I heard saying Fabian Delf recently? Was it Pep on the All or Nothing series or what? Uh, Probably every, I don't know. Everyone what, what, calls him Fabian Delf, but it, is it, it Fabian? It, it is Fabian, but everyone calls him Fabian. Yeah, I feel like maybe Ben Kingsley on the All or Nothing series maybe called him Fabian Delft as well. I'm trying to remember. I don't know. But it, it, it always creeps in, and I want to say Fabian. But I'm trying to go back to Fabian, you know? It's like we're trying to make him, like, continental. It's <laughs> <laughs> Fabian Delft. And, and then I hear his voice from that all or nothing show going the basics of football the basics of football you know basically like chewing out his team in the locker room so anyway fabian delf is bringing his basics of football to uh to us which has actually worked out quite well um guy cost eight eight million that's that's not bad that's not too damn bad starting to look like a bargain and a half um, he, uh, 
teamed up with Gomez on Sunday. Before that, he was playing near uh, Schneiderlin in the in the center. Uh, Schneiderlin, you know, lying a little deeper because that's what Schneiderlin does. Let's be honest. Um, but uh, it was interesting seeing him beside Gomez. Uh, both of them doing some different things, uh, but but both very similar. Both, you know, spraying the ball out to the sides. Uh, Delph looks like a really good passer right now as well. Um, so tidy, smart. Uh, so so what, are we, what are we looking at here? What I, what I see most frequently is Delph is our new Barry. All right? So obvious, not carbon copies. I think it's just the concept of it. But how are you feeling about, about Fabian? <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty good, you know. He was brought in sort of with very little fanfare. You know, nobody expected it. It was very much a um, under the radar type signing. Um, very cheap. I think the comparison with Barry's it's an easy one to make, isn't it? You know, he's coming in from Man City. He's a slightly older player. Um, he's very cheap, but he'll go straight into the team and add a lot of you know qualities that aren't already in the team. So. Even our better players, none of them have got his experience. Certainly, none of them have got his, you know, his in-game intelligence, his sort of um, his football and acumen, as you put it. Um, he's not as old as, as people seem to think he is. He's he's old for an Everton signing under Marcel Brand. So people, I think, have got it in their head that he's like an older player. He's twenty nine. He could twenty nine. He turn, turns thirty in November, I think. Yeah, that's feasibly another two three years. Four, maybe, depending on you know. On his position, at being you know in peak in peak condition and being in his prime, we got Gareth Barry a lot older than that, and we got a, you know a couple of years out of him. <clears throat> I think, I mean, well, I don't think I know now. Um, it's bore out that Delph was not brought in um, to play the position that he played on the weekend. He's not going to be like a defensive midfielder and a Drissa Gay replacement. They were at pains to you know stress that, despite <laughs> some people on. Podcasts um, saying they don't believe it. It turned out. <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah, who was that bearded, bespectacled gentleman? Uh, <laughs> but he, um, he, you know, he, he was great, and and I think we will see him in that sort of role, but only as a short-term measure because of the injury to Kabamon. I mentioned in the in the other video. I think going forward, we'll just stick with that um, sort of midfield formula because um, it worked. It's so comfortable with the players. We worked with it all last season, but long term, I think Delph's got um, got a big part to play. You know, in the squad across several different positions. You know, he could play. You know, the position he played on Saturday, he can cover for um, Andre Gomez. He can cover a fullback. Obviously, we've seen him do it at Man City. Just a very shrewd signing. You know, like the, all the um, some other really good teams have made signings like that. They're not glamorous and. Not like young, you know. Start, you, you know, a lot of teams have got like young stars like Moise Keane and Richarlison, but the real like glue that holds the team together are these older players who get the younger players through the more difficult situations. And you can see already that Delph is a little bit of a leader on the pitch. You know, he's he's given orders out from the middle. He's you know he's he's telling uh, Andre Gomez, you know, you know. What positions to take up, you know, to compliment him. I think he's going to be an invaluable player. He, he he's one of those players who you could see like he'd be like the player of the season because nobody expects it to be him. But when the, you know the actual football happens, he's he's just 
invaluable. Everyone thinks it's going to be the star attacking players, but no, it's actually that you know that you know nitty gritty nuts and bolts type player in the centre midfield. So you know fitness permitting, because that's always been the question mark over Fabian Delph is whether he can stay fit and stay injury free. If he can, I think he's going to be crucial to us because he's such a good player and he's he's went straight into that midfield and looks good already. I think the glue is a good good word. You know, I remember uh, people talking about like I'm trying to remember what Saturday Night Live cast member said it, but they were talking about Phil Hartman. I think it was Chris Rock who was talking about Phil Hartman back in the day. I'm totally showing my age, and I'm sorry. But uh, Phil Hartman was one of my favorites. And uh, Chris Rock used to say, Phil Hartman, we used to call him the glue because he would do everything. And he would and he would do it completely professional, completely serious, work his ass off, and, and he didn't have to have the biggest role in the room. He didn't have to be the star of that particular... He treated every single role like it was important to him. You know, it could be some minor thing, and he would... And I feel like we need more people like that. We need more players like that, you know. And he has come in to zero fanfare. None. You know, if you looked at a list of our signings, he's at the bottom as a side note where where people are like, eh, you got to sign Delph, huh? Eh. You know, and that's what I that's what I heard. That was the exact reaction I got from a, a Liverpool supporter friend of mine. And he was not being a he's not trying to be a jerk. He he was just like, Oh, you guys got Delph, huh? I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like you know, and I was kinda like, Yeah, we got him. He's not meant to be our star signing. He's not. You know? But as far as his impact goes, I'm a little concerned about the fact that he that he is twenty nine and he will be thirty in November. And if we're if Gabamin is hurt, I'm a little concerned about Delph having to play as much as he might have to. That is a concern. Especially like thinking about holiday season, that mm. that worries me. It does. I'm a little worried about being thin around that around that time. Uh, so, as far as Delph goes, are we thinking he? Uh, let's pretend. Fast forward to to when Marco Silva is running his team the way he wants to run it, potentially in a four three three. Do you see Delph as being a better fit in a four three three or four two three one? Yeah, completely in a four three three. You, you've got to remember as well that we also tried to sign um, uh, Adula Takore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what Brands and Silva eventually want to have is like you know applies to the whole squad, I guess. But like a lot of options in, in the different positions. So I think Delph's been brought in under the assumption you know. We're also getting JP Kabaman. We're also looking to bring in um, Adula Takore. We've signed Andre Gomez. We've put Tom Davies on a new contract. Morgan Schneiderlin's still here. I think he wants to have multiple options across the whole team. Mm-hmm. So they don't all have to play every game. Obviously, Delph typically, you know, we imagine we imagine wouldn't if with everyone fit play thirty eight games. He, you know, he come in for some games and he'd have a run on the team in some position and then, you know, he'd move into a 4-3-3 or he'd, you know, play the position he was at the weekend in a 4-2-3-1 uh, to give us a bit more energy in the middle. I'm, I'm all for it. Like, I, I want to have Iwobi and Bernard. I want to have, you know, uh, Gabamon and Gomez for one position. And I, 
this is what we've not had for so long actual proper depth I mean we're still not quite there we've got depth in some areas but we were very thin in others but I think next summer that we'll you know all things going well we'll have proper options throughout the entire squad and I don't just mean our first teamer and a understudy I mean like proper proper depth where you can feasibly start any of the your two players in each position mm-hmm. and I think it's also a big part of that you know he's only 30 this year and you know, I'm at pains to mention you know that lot, but Liverpool did the same thing with with James Milner, brought in an, an inexpensive player who was older, mm-hmm. but he's been invaluable because of the positions he can fill and um, you know the experience he brings, the winning mentality. You know, Milner had, had won a, a league at, at City as well, which you know Delft won too. Uh, obviously, Liverpool didn't invent Brian, an experienced player, to complement a young team. But you know, it's a good, it's a good recent example of that coming working really well. And I think Delft's going to be, you know, like that next season if we do get to Corey and Kabamans fully fit. We'll still see Delft. We'll still see, you know, we'll see a lot of them because centre midfield in a pressing four-three-three, what Silva seems to want to play. You know, you're gonna you're gonna need a lot of players, especially in that middle area, because you're gonna you know you're gonna make them tired. If you want to have a front three which stays high up the pitch, and you know is is attacking all the time, then you need a middle three who can cover the ground and you know defend for them. Mm-hmm. And we haven't got that at the minute because obviously you know we we've got players injured and we didn't get some of the targets we were after. But eventually, I think that's the plan. You want to have centre midfielders you can cover for your attack and full backs and your front three, and I think Del fits right into that, especially in a three. Yeah. Um, clearly, it seems like Silva likes the bay, the way you know the idea of being able to have some some fluidity, you know, to be able to have options. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of being able to put. Uh, having having some players that can play more than one position, you know what I mean? It's like it's the. I, I mean, look at look at Richarlison. He could play. He could play striker. Or he can play on the right or the left. All right. Iwobi can play on on the right or the left. I know he was brought in to play on the left, but he can also play the ten if he needs to. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, the more I watch our attack, it looks like it's going to be a lot of, you know, kind of overlapping, going to the other side. You know what I mean? Like being able to be interchangeable, you know? And mm-hmm. I, that's possible that he's, he values that. That's one of the things Silva values is players that can, that can do those roles, multiple different roles, which, let's be honest, if you're a coach and you've, you've got these almost – they're almost like utility players – they have a best position, but they'll they'll listen and say, okay, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'll play left back for you. You know, and that's the way Delph is. He's you got to be an intelligent player to be able to play more than one role. You got to be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and not every player is like that. So, uh, yeah. So, lots of the great teams in this league have had those players as well like Man United always had you know like Sir Michael Carrick and John O'Shea and players like that and you know Sid City had Fabian Delph they, you know we've got their one like the 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 great teams are not just about the star you know strikers and you know, like the the wingers the midfielders the the attacking players you need those unsung like sort of you know dirty job players and, and that is exactly what Delph is he's done it at the very highest level and, and he's clearly you know been brought in to fulfil that role here so just, just 
goodbye, just a, a very shrewd goodbye. Yeah, and I like I like uh, bringing in someone who's going to hold people accountable. He will get in people's face. He will get in your face and let you know, you know what? You suck right now. Pick it up. You know what I mean? You know what? We're not actually, we look like we look like ass right now. Can everybody just get it together, please? He's the kind of person who will speak up in a locker room because I've seen it on a show. All right? This, this is the, that is exactly what I think we brought Rooney in to do. And obviously not entirely his fault, but it didn't work out like right. that. You know, there's too much going on. You know, the team wasn't, you know, right. But Delph's coming into a far more, you know, capable, far more settled team than Rooney was. Um, so it's basically our second throw at that type of player, that sort of older player who's there to, you know, support the the younger players. Like Moise Keane is 19, Richarlison, I think he's 21, is he? 22? They're both young. These players are the, the headline grabbers, mm-hmm. but, you, they, you know, they need a, a Fabian Delph. He'll never be, you know, the, the guy who gets all the headlines, but he's crucial because, they you know, the other players need that player. Will you go out on a limb? And say that he is our most important signing of the season. Will you go there? No, I won't. Terry, because... I'm trying to sensationalize this somehow. Stop bringing your logic and your rational thoughts. <laughs> is he the most important? <laughs> I will tell you, I'll give you something even better. Our most important signing is Moise Keane because we've not signed a striker mm-hmm. to fulfil the whole Lukaku left. Doesn't mean he'll be as good as Lukaku. Doesn't mean the sign will come off. But he is a attempt to fill that gaping hole we haven't filled for two years. But I am going to make an early call now that Fabian Delph, providing he doesn't get a long-term injury, will be our player of the season. Wow, that's the limb I wanted you to walk out on. Yes, walk that limb. Very nice. Long term, long term. Moise Keane's more important for the status of the signing, the position it is. But this season, I think Fabian Delph could be an early shout for player of the season just because I think he's that type of player. I think he's going to do that type of job and I think he's going to be that important to this team that is still in a little bit of flux because there's so many new players. Awesome. You heard it here first. All right. Moise Keane is going to be 11 times better than Lukaku, is what Terry says. I think I said 12. 12 times you know. better than Lukaku. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Delph, uh, player of the season shout. That is, yes, I like it. Bold Terry. <laughs> I'm all in on that. Very cool. All right, so... We should finish on that because that's the best thing to finish on. All right. Insert big thunder crash. All right, it's another lightning round with Terry. Terry is going to get in, be an old hand at these when this is finished. Basically, the way lightning round works is I ask 20 razor-sharp questions that cut to the core of whoever my my interviewee is. And this, this time it happens to be uh, Terry. So uh, I am trying not to repeat questions because after a while we're just going to have to. So that's why I've, I've gone to the Elfster website and looked up uh, a list of lightning round questions, pulled 
pulled some good ones and adjusted a few of them to fit my needs. And uh, yeah, so I think uh, this should be like I, the first question I'm looking at it. I'm like, why did I write that one down? I already know what Terry's going to say. But the rest of these are kind of tough. So, all right, Terry, are you ready to reveal your soul to the public? I am ready. All right. So remember, just give me your lightning response so we can move on. We don't have to take the time like you're trying to pick something on Spotify. Let's get to it quickly. All right. You're implying that I've spent a long time answering a lightning question before now because that's it. I will not stand for. (laughs) I I wasn't. I was implying you take a while with your Spotify choices is really what I really meant. Some both, so either would have been. <laughs> well, I was trying to give you an out there, but okay, yeah, it's <laughs> all right. Let's begin the lightning round, Terry. Uh, texting or talking? Texting. Okay, never mind. I actually thought you would say the opposite. Never mind. Okay, I know Terry. Uh, not great. All right. So, favorite day of the week? Sunday. Sunday. Uh, Terry, do you have any nicknames from your past? Like from your parents or something? Um, nothing embarrassing, but a lot of my friends, a lot of them used to call me Tez, so T-E-Z or Z, Z, whichever you prefer. Tez or Z, interesting. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Tez, T-E-Z or Z, if you're uh, American. I was oh, not- see, I thought you were giving me a separate nickname. No, no, I realized that when you repeated it back. It's like, no, 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 I was never called Z. We're getting over our language barrier here, everybody. All right, so T-E-Z. All right, so Terry, uh, if you had the choice, would you rather speak every language or be able to talk to animals? Oh, talk to animals. I knew you'd say that. Had a feeling. Uh, Terry, who are you in the Star Wars universe? Uh, Chewbacca, because I'm hairy and loud. Didn't see that coming for some reason. All right, so uh, favorite holiday? Christmas. Uh, travel back in time to when? Uh, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Pre-history. Wow. Yeah, I want to see dinosaurs. All right. Uh, what's your favorite number? Seven. Okay. If, uh, if you're in a room, Donald Trump wants a hug, goes in for a hug... Do you reciprocate? Yeah, and then, like, pull his stupid ferret off his head. <laughs> Grace. Uh, which one would you rather cuddle with, a baby panda or a baby penguin? Baby panda, it's gotta be. I have a feeling. Um, what's the fastest you've ever driven a car? Um, zero miles per hour, because I can't drive. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Zero. I, I've walked faster than I've driven, is what Terry <laughs> says. Very nice. Uh, go on Terry... a, car, a car simulator and see how fast I can go. <laughs> so, Terry, would you want to live forever? And that's not an offer. That's just the question. Yes, most people say they wouldn't. I actually would, because then I'd get to see, you know, every, I might see Everton win the league for a start, and I get to see everything that gets made and everything that is going to happen in the future. So, Yes, I would. Ah. Uh, Terry, can you do any accents? Not well, no. I thought I could, um, and I'm not going to do any now, so sorry, guys. But um, no, not not really. I was hoping you'd 
break out something that was unexpected, but... I'm UA, yeah, I, I can't, really. I'm not very good at it. All right. Uh, so, if, Terry, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? Ooh. I don't know. This is not very lightning. Um, very, very unlightning-ish. Why did you give me a micro penis? I don't want to know. This is the kind of hard-hitting content you should expect from this podcast, everybody. Holy hell. All right, All right Terry. Have you ever slapped anyone in the face? Yes. All right. Uh, make a high-pitched sound. Ooh. All right. Just curious. Terry, do you believe in, do you believe in love and love at first sight? No. No. Uh, do you like the smell of gasoline? No, I don't. It actually makes me feel really nauseous. Always has. I'm not a big fan either. Uh, Terry, do you own any red clothing? Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, I suit it. <laughs> I suit red and maroon, but um, none of it's got any particular badge or allegiance or football-related thing on it, so that's fine. And lastly... Would you rather climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Oh, jump from a plane, because, you know, that's a, you know, I, I get to get up in the air very comfortably <laughs> and then just do a scary thing. Climbing a mountain is like a long effort, and I'm quite lazy, so no. <laughs> uh, interesting. All right, well, that's that's it. The lightning round is over. See lots of new questions, very new ones. And I, I, I think that website's actually a good one. I think I'll be... I think I'll be going back to those interesting stuff. Some of these, I think, are less interesting than others, but um, I think Terry managed to make some of these pretty damn interesting, if I do say so myself. All right, so, uh, yeah, so, Terry, what are, we, what are we wrangling out to? What's, what are we, what's the song we're, we're going out to? Any, any preference? Uh, I forgot all about this. <laughs> Because it wasn't a quiz, I didn't actually... I mean, I'm saying that as if I ever, you know, have a song ready anyway, but um, give me a minute. And Ben, you can leave this in if you want. And I could sing a song. You think <laughs> I could, that would be good for the podcast audience, so... Oh, what was the um, what was the Offspring song you mentioned last week? I, come out and, and I play. thought, yeah, I know I did Offspring last week, but you know why not? Let's do come out and play because the Blues came out and played. Ah, oh, see, see how see how he, he he links that together. See the the way that works. He's the, the second you said it last um, last week, I was like, that is the song I should have picked, not um, the other Offspring song. And now, because it's sort of like a free hit for the song, I think, you know what? I'm going to really annoy everyone and pick the same artist two weeks running, but why not? Because Max isn't here to beat me in a quiz to stop me, so sorry. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, that Offspring song that you played, I that you picked last week, I had never heard that. I had yeah. never heard that song. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I know this one, like... This was the first one I ever heard, and I knew it backwards, forwards. It's ridiculous. I know this one really well. Like as I said last time, I, this was a cassette that I bought. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, Love beca- it. because I'm from before electricity, everybody. Uh, it's all they were called records at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you had to play them on a record player. Uh, it's weird hearing the offspring without all the pops, the needle pops. You know, that's <laughs> strange. <laughs> Uh, no one's ever said that about the offspring ever. All right. So uh, anyway, I guess uh, that's it for the Toffee Blues podcast. As we as we are uh, soothed by come out and play because that's the right word for the offspring. Uh, it's <laughs> it's time to end the show. If you've been checking out our podcast and you haven't subscribed to us, uh, hey, maybe consider subscribing. Eh? You know, it's a it's, it's just a click. And it'll line up with all your other, uh, all your other podcasts, you know. So anyway, there's that. Uh, also, if you're like, gosh, Terry sounds like an Offspring fan. I really want to see what he looks like, so I can, when I see him, give him a big old hug. Yeah, check out our YouTube channel. All right, we got a YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, and the, the subs are going up on that too. It's kind of great. So we really appreciate that. If you want more Terry, Liverpool Echo fan jury, where they. He puts words in order, and it happens to be about Everton. So you can check that out. Look at his Twitter for if you want to find out when that happens. Uh, the Toffee Blues website, you should check that out. A lot of good Everton analysis. Uh, all things Everton, all the time. Yeah, Check out the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I've got nothing else because I don't have anything to, to, to pimp out for myself. Uh, so... I guess this is it. Terry, thanks so much for rolling with me solo. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, man. It's um, always a pleasure. Um, enjoyed it as always. Take care. Yeah, man. And uh, RIP my candle. RIP my headphones. Yes. I. When the candle popped, I I, I jarred my headphones and they were di- they're, 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 they died. So now I'm back to my backup. So say so pour a little, a little of your 40 out for my headphones and my candle. Uh, Marcel, sorry, we'll talk about you more next time so you don't have to invoke your wrath. Uh, everybody, uh, yeah, way to go on the three points on Sunday. Uh, let's let's have a, a nice, healthy international break. Try to fill the hours, everybody. Uh, for, for Terry and myself, we'll talk to you later. Bye!